0: You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades old media properties.
1: Join us.
0: Welcome everybody! This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv news stories siphoned out of the void from the dreams of children to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Mike. And we were raised by Rentals. Mike, it's
1: Halloween. Woo-hoo. <laughs> well, I, got, I guess almost. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting the siphon from the dreams. <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I say the same old shit all the time. You know, so <laughs> no, <always> I can say... <laughs> back it, but that was funny as hell. <laughs> I'm always trying to find new things to rhyme, like straight from the dome right to your home. I'm like, not too many things rhyme with like dome. I'm like, straight from your my head to, I don't know, fucking know. So we'll just gonna do some. We're gonna do a, a spoopy version. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do loves me the spoopy season.
0: Oh, man. Yes, it's almost Halloween. So anyone listening to this, it's a couple of days away. Pretty excited. But for us, it's Halloween right now because we're going to skip all of the other preamble and just jump right into the fact that we love Michael Myers, the original popular slasher. And we feel like with... (sighs) <sighs> with recent turns of events <laughs> and with <laughs> and with a pretty spotty franchise history, it's about goddamn time that somebody tried to fix it up a little bit and give Michael Myers the the uh, the respect that he deserves. And I say, if we can't fix the most recent uh, reboot slash remake slash whatever the fuck trilogy, then we can go back to the 80s and 90s and see if we can't give a little love to the Thorn trilogy.
1: Ah, oh, I love it. Because this is one of them things, man. As a kid, I was so excited for, for Michael Myers to be back. Like, I loved Halloween 1 and 2. Um, Halloween 3 came out, and I remember not liking it when I first watched it because I was disappointed. There was no Michael Myers. But, you know, in subsequent viewings, like me and, and my my brother and sister watching it over and over again, like, I I really do love that movie. And, like, I've loved it since childhood. Mm-hmm. But when sure. Michael Myers was back, I was so excited. Like, I couldn't wait to watch Halloween 4. And um, again, Halloween four came. Great movie. Like it's got its problems, but it's overall it's a great movie. I was so in, and then it just kept getting worse. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and and yeah, I think that uh, uh, Mustafa Akkad had a great idea with the Thorn trilogy. I, I think that the concept is sound. The execution is bad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I totally agree. I was a big Michael Myers fan as a kid as well. Not as much as Jason, probably not as much as Freddy, but man, I love Michael Myers. I love the face, the look, you know, me, my taste in horror. I like the boogeyman. I like the faceless evil in the dark, you know, to me that's perfect the fact that he's referred to as the shape sometimes it's like you know he's the shape of evil the shape in the shadows like that's exactly the kind of you know spooky stuff that i want to watch and I I watched the movies originally like all out of weird order like I'm pretty sure part two was the first one that I saw of the original two parter like I definitely like the second one better I know a lot of horror fans are (gasps) gasp no (laughs) (laughs) blasphemy
1: I'm clutching my pearls as we speak.
0: (laughs) <laughs> um yeah I just I love I love the kills and the suspense and you get some more of the backstory they sort of explain things away in the second you know movie more so yeah. than they do in the first but my favorite halloween movie I think to just put on as like a popcorn fun horror movie flick is part four. I love The Return of Michael Myers. It has its problems, but to me, it's like the epitome of what you want out of an 80s slasher movie. You know, it's got like sexy yeah. stuff and like, you know, teenagers doing stuff they shouldn't do that gets them killed. And it's got characters you actually enjoy that have like personalities and has got some great kills. Michael Myers, he doesn't look the best in the movie, but he's still fucking creepy as hell. You know, yeah. this is whole Frankenstein vibe to it. So I love part four. I barely remembered part five until watching it again like years later as an adult and like, oh yeah, this was kind of boring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And unfortunately for me, the curse of Michael Myers, part six Uh, is the first Halloween movie that I ever saw in the theater Uh, in (laughs) 1995. I went with my buddy Frank, and he he was a huge Michael Myers fan. And at that point, I was like, yeah, part five was kind of boring. I don't really care as much. But we went and saw it, and I was so confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just coming out of the movie like, I, I guess, you know, to the I mean, to the point where like when when H2O eventually came out, like I just didn't care. Like I watched it and I enjoyed it and I kind of got back into Michael Myers. But like I just didn't care. You know, I was like part yeah. six kind of ruined the whole thing for me. It took away that boogeyman mystique creepiness that Michael Myers had. So, yeah, I would have loved it if this little trilogy of movies could have been a lot stronger.
1: Totally agree. Now, now for me, like the first uh, in, in theater Halloween that I ever saw was H2O. Um, but yeah, like I remember very vividly watching part four and five over and over again. And so curious about who's the man in black. Like, where did Michael Myers go at the end of part five? Like, what's going to happen to Jamie? Like, I was so intrigued. And then finally, the curse comes out. I didn't get to see it in theaters. Um, and but as soon as it came out on on VHS, like I remember me and my sister going out and renting it and being extremely disappointed like what the hell was that <laughs> like how did any this, how did that make any sense like so yeah we were and and that, and that pretty much turned me off of halloween for a while and yeah. so when when h2o was coming out the only reason i went to go see it was because at the time i was running a i mean i'm dating myself here but a fucking tripod horror movie website <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> called the boogeyman's closet where I would review horror movies, and the the handful of of followers that I had, I had like five people <laughs> that, that read my updates, um, were asking if I was going to go see H two O. So <laughs> yes. I was like, well, I guess I, I should go see H two O. My my fan base demands it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But I I went with one of my friends, and and it was a packed house. It was the Summit Six. I'm sure you remember going there. Yeah, that's um, where I went to. Yep. Fucking yep. packed house. And it was one of my favorite horror movie experiences in the theaters because because it literally was like every seat was fucking full. We saw it opening night just people were screaming, people were jumping, popcorn was flying like it was the perfect atmosphere to see a slasher movie in because everyone was so damn jumpy. And I loved Mm. it because of that. And it was funny because I remember thinking H2O was so much better than it actually is because of that experience and yeah. then watching it on on home video afterward i'm like i still really like it just because i love that era of slasher from about 96 to like 2006 that yeah. that 10, ten year <laughs> era of slasher movies i just it's solid um and and yeah, i think i honestly i would go so far as to say that other than the 80s slasher that's the next best thing that 10 year period yeah, I think so. It
0: was, it's sort of like this Abercrombie and Fitch victim era where yeah. it was like all, all the characters, all the actors they cast were like super like pretty. They were all from like sitcoms. It wasn't like these unknown actors like they would get in the '80s. Yep. They would just be fodder. Like they would, you know they would cast like you know people who were like big stars for like teenagers. You know, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. That there was a I think starting with Scream, there was a definitely like a strong like decade of like oh, pretty yeah. pretty solid movies that I don't think in retrospect get the respect they deserve because. They they do kind of have that like mall movie, you know, kind of sheen oh, totally. to them that that doesn't really age well unless you're into that, like the nostalgia of the style.
1: But but also I, I would argue that, that that that's the the self-aware period, which it, it brings a lot of fun to the table because it, they mm-hmm. recognize all of the tropes of the horror films. They recognize the tropes of the slasher and like, yeah, sometimes they are way too self-aware about it, uh, where it kind of takes you out of the movie. But at least the characters aren't just dumb fodder, you know. They actually have Mm -hmm. a little bit of of smarts to them. Um, And then there there are some that genuinely have solid twists, like really good twists along the way. And then there are some like fucking Wolf Creek that come along (laughs) and just mess you all up because it's so terrifying, (laughs) you know. But for sure. But yeah, I mean, back back to Halloween. Um, I remember H two O really liking it and being uh, very excited for what they were going to do with the future. And then resurrection came along and uh man, I've, I've argued it on, on boogeyman's closet multiple times. I think I've even brought it up on Count Creepy, had it possibly this show that it's a solid idea for a horror film, but it is not a Halloween movie. I will give it points because of the buster. I'm that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> where <laughs> yes. he's like, took a treat motherfucker and round houses. <laughs> Myers. I, I will always laugh my ass off at that scene, but it's not a good movie. In fact, I would say that's the second worst, en- or no, th- I'm sorry, third worst entry into the franchise. Uh, Halloween <laughs> 6 gets the crown. Halloween 6 is definitely sure. the worst in the franchise. Halloween Ends is very close. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no.
0: I haven't actually seen it yet, so we'll see.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I won't ruin it for you or any of our listeners who might still want to see it. I'm just going to say, for me, um, I feel like Actually, this is something I you you can relate to, Josh. I feel like this was very much the um, like early 2000s uh, Marvel once like Bendis was taking over everything, mm-hmm. where everything okay. was being written for trade. So you get okay. those issues where it was like, this really should have been two pages, but we stretched it out to 22 pages, and like it's gonna take you all of three minutes to read the book because there's no dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that decompression.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. The decompression bullshit was it was. Yeah. And this is a whole different like side tangent we can go down because there were definitely worse perpetrators of it, even than Brian Michael Bendis. But I do agree that, you know, he led the pack. I actually didn't think that Warren Ellis was the worst of them, which is strange because so much of his writing is very um it's very boiled down and like right to the point, like he doesn't waste time. He gets in and gets out. He like, you know, he, he, he hits with every panel except he also loves to experiment. And I think he was experimenting with the format and doing those so-called like widescreen comics. And he, he really led the pack with the authority but it was more about creating this like spectacle of like really letting the art breathe, except by the time he got to Ultimate Fantasy four, there's like three word balloons. And it's like there's a, there's a bunch of really great, amazing, amazing drawings of like space shuttles in this comic book. But like, I'm not reading anything like this is. a, pinnacle, yeah.
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And see, and that's kind of the problem with this new Halloween trilogy, because the first one comes out swinging Halloween 2018 love it or hate it it's it's a solid movie and then like i personally hate the idea of hey forget those other sequels happened this is the real sequel i'm not a fan of that kind oh, of God. reboot um and hollywood seems to have moved off of the remake onto the reboot train so mm-hmm. it's not my cup of tea but i'll deal with it 2018 i think is still a solid movie um I hate the fact that it's a sequel to Halloween called Halloween, but, you know, that's a whole nother rant. Uh, (laughs) You have to refer to it as 2018 instead of the title. (laughs)
0: Right
1: Now, Halloween Kills starts strong. The first five minutes of that movie are like, "Ooh, this is going to be really good. And then it quickly devolves into nonsense. And I'm sorry, the whole evil dies tonight that gets chanted throughout the entire second half all the way to the end of the movie. It's funny because it becomes so stupid. Like, I mean, it really did feel at one point like they were just calling out to each other. Like you had Tommy Doyle giving this speech and then someone's like, evil dies tonight. He's like, evil dies tonight. Yes, evil dies tonight. Anyway, and moving on with his speech. It's like it was so dumb. (laughs) Oh, Doyle rules. (laughs) 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 Exactly. But no, like freaking Halloween ends. It feels like they could have taken the last half of Halloween Kills, condensed that down to about 10 minutes, and then take the main story from Halloween Ends and put it into Halloween Kills and made it into two movies instead of a trilogy. Because the bulk runtime of Halloween Ends has nothing to do with Michael Myers, and it's really fucking annoying.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll I have to watch it one of these days. I just, I, I've heard so many bad things, like from literally hours after it was released, that I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it, you know. <laughs> but, but I do, I do agree. I think it would have made sense for it to be like a two-parter, especially since they skip, you know, the Thorne trilogy, they skip the H2O the Resurrection era, they skip the Rob Zombie era. But when you think about it, like the first two Halloween movies go together, like lockstep, you know, it's, it's, it's a dovetail movie series in, in just two, like you can just watch the first one, but if you watch the second one, it's like watching a long movie, like one long movie. And, you know, the Rob Zombie remake doesn't work in the same way, but it's still a really solid, like two-parter. Like you get, you know, you get a a reboot and then you get him doing his own thing, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and I, I, I think, with the exception of the Thorne trilogy there's been a lot of duologies in the the Halloween series so yeah making the new one just two movies would have been better but of course they got to milk all the money out of it you know
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: of course i would i would go so far as to say that even the Thorne trilogy it's not as it exists it's not even really much of a trilogy like it's sort of the the Jamie uh what, what is, what's what's her last name is it Jamie Strode whatever her last uh, name
1: is in Jamie the Jamie
0: Lloyd lloyd that's it i I was like i don't know why it's escaping me i should have known that um it's like it's really more of the jamie lloyd trilogy but there aren't really like there's not really much of anything to do with the thorn cult in the fourth one so it's really more like the fifth and the sixth movies are again a duology about the cult of thorn but you know they kind of all fit together because jamie Lloyd's and all three of them but whatever the point is we also get two movies that are watchable and one that fucking sucks. So
1: it, <laughs> it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work as a trilogy anyway. So. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, and, and realistically, the only thorn uh, aspects that we get in part four is when we see unconscious Michael and he's being he's being transported. Mm-hmm. We get that little peek at the tattoo on his wrist that at that point, yeah. we don't know what the hell it is. You know, we Mm -hmm. we find out later, but it's like that's two movies later that we find out.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't bother to like do all the investigative like peeking and pausing this time, but I'm sure other Halloween fans out there are yelling at us right now. Like, but, 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 but there's like hidden thorn symbols in the backgrounds of all the scenes of all three <laughs> movies. And I'm like, OK, yeah, maybe there are some in part four. I don't know. I don't care because the movie makers, the filmmakers didn't make us care. <laughs> you know, I, Exactly. They tried to they they did something that I thought was really smart. But then they dropped the ball. And they, the the smart thing that they did was to start peppering in clues, like, really, like early on. Knowing that they were going to make multiple movies, they're like, let's just, like, you know, we'll just dust a few little concepts in here. And then we'll slowly build on it so that when we finally get to tell the story of the Thorn Trilogy, all this backstory and foreshadowing will already exist. Like, that was really smart. Without without trying to shoehorn the thorn idea right from the very beginning like just just throw a couple of ideas in there like we'll figure it out we'll make it work and then you know you create this continuity that was awesome but
1: mm-hmm.
0: we they ended up just shoving it down
1: our throat anyway so they they kind of fucked it up <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly now i i think um so if we're, if we're going to jump into this like we're we're basically remaking the thorn trilogy like that's kind of the the goal tonight is yep. to make it make sense. So, I feel if we're we're starting off with part four, realistically, as you mentioned, it's it is a good movie. It really is a good movie, and there's not much that would need to be changed for uh, the Thorn trilogy to kind of like make a lot of sense. So, what I'm proposing is is that we uh, we we keep it pretty much the same, except we find out that Laurie Strode died in a car crash when Jamie was a baby, like, like infant mm-hmm. baby. So it, it. Mir- it mirrors what happened with Lori. Lori was put up for adoption when she was an infant. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Jamie, like, let's have that mirroring. So she never really knew her mom. She didn't know anything about her. Um, you know, so she's adopted into this family. Also, that this creates a, a much stronger bond between her and Rachel. Yeah. Uh, I I want them to be more like real sisters. Like, cause they have that whole line, like, do you love me like a real sister? And she's like, you're not my real sister. Like, fuck all that. Get rid of yeah. all that. Yeah. Have her be like, yes, she is adopted, but she's been with them since she was a baby. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing I want to tone down is the visions that she's seeing oh, until, yeah. until the end of the movie. So my idea here is that we know we, we find out that the thorn, the curse of thorn um they they curse a bloodline so we eventually find this out not in this movie right but this was like this would be some of the clues we would we would lay down so if if michael is still alive why would jamie have anything to do with anything yet she's free of the other than being a victim but when michael gets like almost dead like let's say when he gets shot to shit at the end of the movie. Mm. And he falls down the well and, you know, and then he eventually slowly crawls out, you know, and falls into the the stream unconscious. Like maybe that's when the demon needs a new host. And Jamie Jamie starts to get visions. So now we have that whole sequence. We have that ending sequence where she does stab her her mom, just like young Michael did with his sister. But maybe because Michael is still alive or, you know, is, is just, uh you know, in a coma or whatever it didn't fully take hold. So now she's having these violent tendencies and seeing these visions, but she's not fully taken over the way Michael was. So we can have that whole thing with her being in the asylum in the next, uh, the next movie, we can mm-hmm. have all of that like crazy fuckery with Jamie and, and Dr. Loomis and kind of have it make more sense, you know, rather than just yeah. like, Oh, for whatever reason, I went through a traumatic experience and tried to kill my mom. I'm better now. Like, <laughs> Like, cause that's really all it was. Yeah. And it it, it seemed like
0: the filmmakers of part four, they were trying to set it up that like Michael Myers is dead or at least out of the picture. And then we're going to set up Jamie Lloyd as like the new killer, you know, which is something it's a horror movie trope. You see it all the time. Like you have that last scene where it's like, Oh no, you know, you've, you've got the curse or whatever you've been bitten or whatever it is. Like, you know, the curse, the, the, um, you know, the bloodlust has transferred to a new person. So, you know, we see that in Jamie, and then I think I think the original intention was probably to follow that up in the fifth, in the fifth movie. But of course, then you have even though you have Mustafa Akkad still involved, but then you have new director, new screenwriters, and like they fuck it all up. And so they they don't yeah they don't follow through with that storyline. So yeah, I do think that that's a really good idea that it was this temporary thing. So I think what we need to do, as much as I want to just jump into like okay, here's the plot. I think we kind of need to to figure out whether we do it as we go along or whether we stop right now and kind of like lay down some rules. We need to figure out, like, what is Michael Myers? Like, what the fuck is he? And why is he killing people? And that's something that has never been explained in any of the movies to any kind of satisfaction. Like, they try to explain it, but it never really makes a lot of sense, either because the explanation is stupid or because his actions, like, don't line up. You know, right. it's like, well, yeah, like why is he killing this person and that person? Like like for example, later on in part six in Curse of Michael Myers, we find out from the Cult of Thorn members that, like you mentioned, supposedly to I don't know, to like stop the evil from taking over the world or some bullshit, like stop, you know, demonic, you know, conquer conquering of Earth, they have to like, you know, have a sacrifice not necessarily of the victim, but of a person who's going to become a killer and who's going to kill their whole family, kill their whole bloodline. So they're sacrificing the whole family, including the one that has to kill the rest of them. You know, so that person sacrifices like, their sanity and their, their innocence, right? Right. Um, so that becomes Michael. And he kills his sister, and then he sits in a, an asylum for however many years, and then gets out and tries to kill his other sister. But then he's killing a lot of other people along the way. He somehow right. learns how to drive, and and they, and they never really explain, like, why did he sit in the asylum for so many years? Like, why didn't he break out before then? Like, what was so special about that one year, like, the, the when the first Halloween came out? Like, I'm not sure – what year it was in the movie continuity. But of course the movie came out in 1978. So like, what was so special about that year? And I'm not necessarily sure that I have answers to all these questions, but these are the things that don't make any sense about Michael Myers. Right. right? And then of course he just continues to kill and kill and kill. He can't ever die. Apparently We never see him healing from anything specifically yet. Somehow he has eyes again after part two. Somehow he's not like he's burned a little bit, you know, but not a whole lot after being (laughs) completely like firebombed, you know, and then shot up and whatever. So somehow he's become like this Jason Voorhees figure, even though he existed first, you know, but somehow he's become this like, you know, unstoppable zombie juggernaut who's just kill, 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 kill. And they keep saying that he's trying to kill his family. But he just really just kills whoever he feels like it, whenever he feels like it, really inconsistently. Because right, he, he, there's lots of people he could have killed that he just like he walks right past him, and then people he kills that he like stalks and hunts
1: down like over rooftops and shit for like no reason. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you know certain people feel better to kill. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, well, I, I feel like filet mignon tonight. just
0: that's what i'm in the mood for um i I don't
1: necessarily know that we
0: need to explain like every motivation for every victim because sometimes it's just like ooh, this is fun stab 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 (laughs) right (laughs) but i I think there needs to be something there needs to be something to explain like is it really just that he's part of a sacrificial family so he has to kill his whole bloodline but like I don't know. It seems like a weird way to keep having movies, you know? Like, let's just oh, he has another sister we forgot about. Oh, <laughs> <you know? laughs>
1: well, and yeah, I, I think I, I think we we can play a little bit with that. But the the, the Thorn trilogy, the way it proposes it, is that yes, it is like you said, it is a, this whole family that basically is cursed, and that they once they they sacrifice themselves, it like saves the others. It, it's it's a it doesn't make a lot of sense, but. With the way it starts off with, you know, before Thorne uh, with one and two, it's just Michael kills his sister, you know, basically looks like he just kind of snapped and did it. Um, And then for whatever reason, gets out during the the breakout that happens at Smith's Grove, like uh, something goes wrong. He's just one of the patients that escapes and he heads home. He goes back to Haddonfield Mm -hmm. and finds out that he had a sister. Now, in the first movie, we don't explain any of that. The first movie, it's just he's driving around Haddonfield and targets these young girls because it was the whole babysitter killer story. He's just like he's hunting down, you know, young teens because that's what you do. (laughs) That's that's what slasher characters do. (laughs) Um, Right. So and then in part two, they added the wrinkle of that, you know, that Laurie is actually. Uh, you know, adopted and that she really is Michael Myers younger sister. And, you know, he killed his older sister and now he's hell bent on killing his younger sister. And it wasn't until the Thorn trilogy came along that they're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's really lean into that whole family murder thing and have him have to wipe out his bloodline. And, you know, he's compelled by this demon being controlled by this cult of druids. And by having Dr. Wynn, uh, you know, be like the leader of this cult in, in like this partic- particular sect of the cult. Um, It makes sense because he ran Smith's Grove. So if you mm-hmm. like if backwards, it makes sense where it's like, oh, so he's the one that let the patients out. He let Michael head off to Haddonfield again. Like basically he unleashed him. He let him off the leash to be like, you're old enough now. You're strong enough now. Go finish the job. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, it doesn't make sense why they're doing that. So here's what I would propose. Instead of just being this whole, like, I mean, I like the idea of the family being cursed, like a particular bloodline being cursed, but being controlled by the cult. What if it's Haddonfield? What if basically sacrifices need to take place in Haddonfield? Like that's some kind of like ley line or like uh, almost like a Roanoke type situation. Sure. Sure you know, where it's like, there's mystical power there. And, I mean, they played around with that a little bit in Halloween 3, where it was, like, with Stonehenge, like, just a particle of dust from Stonehenge, you know, was enough magical element to be able to power these little buttons that they were putting on all the masks. (laughs) So, like, maybe it's something as simple as that, like, Haddonfield just happens to cross over, or, like, intersect with a ley line, and some kind of magic druidic, you know, nonsense, (laughs) would just be like, yeah, okay, that's why he's killing there, And, and the Myers family was just unfortunately marked for for murder by the the cult
0: okay okay yeah i i, I think i def- definitely think it makes sense if dr win uh is you know since we know we find out later on he's the leader of the cult or at least this uh this group of the this sect of it I, I think it does make sense that okay so he's the one who let michael out maybe maybe he found out that Laurie Strode was still alive or, you know, the Laurie Myers or whatever, like maybe right. that's what it was, you know, maybe it was just sort of a coincidence of like, oh, Michael has a sister and well, you know, now, now, you know, he's not like, you know, six years old. Mm-hmm. So now it's like 15 years later, he's older, he, you know, stronger. He's turned into this like hulking brute, you know, like, <laughs> like let's unleash the dogs or whatever. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Like go and get, um, go and get Laurie. So yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pen our plot line for our trilogy into you know into too tightly by defining everything like right up ahead of time i just kind of wanted to like throw a few things out there as we go along so that we're not just kind of i don't want to do what the original filmmakers did and just kind of flail around in any direction you know <laughs> like there's got to be something there so um i'm going to just throw out one quick thing and then we kind of we kind of get back into where you were going um which is so it, there's this cult of thorn, and clearly again there's some kind of like druidic like spirit worship. They're trying to perform the sacrifice because they think that it'll stop like the end of the world or whatever. You know, and maybe it's as simple as like they were in Haddonfield. That's just where they happened to have their little party, you know. And right. and because they were there, maybe they were going through some kind of ritual, and then they found out on like the news the next day, like oh shit, like. You know, uh, little, little, little Mikey Myers like fucking killed his sister. Like, what? Like, is that a coincidence? Like, did we do that? You know, like. Oh, okay. So maybe they kind of, like, triggered it. Like, they released some kind of a demon or, like, demons into the town, like, on Halloween, like, on, the, you know, their holy night. And they weren't expecting that one of them would, like, one of these spirits would, like, take hold in this little boy. And so, yeah, you know, they kind of bring him into the asylum. And Win uses his, like, uh, his little, like, Illuminati connections to get working at the at the hospital and, you know, and becomes real, like, chummy with Dr. Loomis and is, like, you know, studying this, like, demonically positioned this kid right along with him thinking like shit, man, like we did this, you know, like mm-hmm. both maybe feeling a little bit bad about it, but also like, I want to see where this, where this is going, <laughs> you know? Uh,
1: well, well, hold on. Maybe, maybe we do something as simple as like, okay, so, so why, why would people, you know, worship demons to begin with or, or or align themselves with something that, that they themselves call evil to begin with mm-hmm. for, for usually for power, money you know prosperity all that kind of stuff so what if we 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 go back i'm like i mean we can even explain all this in like a five minute flashback in one of the thorn movies um just show like yeah you know, like the, the cult of thorn existed in haddonfield and to ensure that the the uh you know i mean we can go far back and to ensure the crops were good you know yeah. like <laughs> basically one of their own one of their members had to like, sacrifice themselves and their bloodline to ensure, like, a couple mm. decades of prosperity. So what if we have this thing where it's, like, we see in a, in a flashback where it's, like, the the current group, including Dr. Wynn, like, they don't know who's going to be cursed. They don't know what which of their own, like, which of their people will mm-hmm. be chosen by the demon. And what if we see, like, a descendant of the Myers clan? So whether it be, like, Mikey's grandfather or whatever, yeah. somebody it's mm-hmm. like okay the the cult of thor the symbol appears on his wrist and so he looks down and then it basically just looks right at you know like looks at the others takes a dagger and stabs himself in the throat because it's like he's been chosen his bloodline is chosen he must die he knows the rules so kills himself and then we see the whole like flash forward michael myers kills his sister he's now in the the care of dr win and some of the others very much like um was it like End of Days and Rosemary's Baby and all that? Where the you ha- <laughs> yeah. you have the people that are kind of like cultivating the little evil one type of thing. But mm-hmm. like, keep in mind, Wynn is running that asylum. He's a rich, powerful guy. Yeah. So you have like all of these people are in. So all of the Thorn members could be in power. Hell, maybe we could even say that fucking What's His Nuts from Silver Shamrock was one of the Thorn members.
0: There you go. Right. I mean, that 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 fits the third movie into the continuity. That's awesome. Right. So yeah, yeah. We,
1: we say that freaking. Um, oh god, I, I I just watched the movie the other night too, and I can't think <laughs> of his freaking name. But yeah, the the creepy guy, the, the guy that ran Silver Shamrock.
0: Oh god, um, what was that dude's name? Uh, shit, that's, that's gonna, gonna bother bug me. me yeah. I know, right? I'm like, fuck, what's that dude's name?
1: We gotta consult the bones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying to look it up right now. Like, hmm. Connell Cochran. But yeah, so let let's say like you know. He was, you know, he's another member of the the cult of Thorn. And, like, maybe his whole thing was he was trying to, like, make a sacrifice on a massive level and, you know, how he ended up dying because of it. Like, maybe because he went against the tradition. He went against the rules and it it, it consumed him. So we don't have to go into that. No, i think that's good we can but there's got to be like a parlor
0: scene at some point like at some point in our trilogy where we get wind sort of explaining all of this right right uh and he could he could throw that out there that like oh you know you know mr uh he, you know he uh you know he he flew too close to the sun like he, he went too far like he tried to you know uh he tried to make himself more rich and more powerful than all the rest of us by like killing everybody's you know bloodline on halloween and like you know he got what you know, what, what was coming to him you know right. um and that's pretty cool but yeah, and we can have it yeah, we can even have it be that you know maybe maybe Michael Myers' dad even like knew about this. You know, he knew about it because it was like a family legend and maybe he just didn't believe it until his son, you know, <laughs> killed his sister. Right. And you know, and then Michael Myers, you know, he sits in that in that asylum all those years, not only because you know he was comatose or crazy or whatever, but also like, you know, his parents wouldn't even be trying to get him out because like they knew. They knew, dude, you know,
1: dude, yeah, no, 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 that's perfect. Because mm-hmm. that's why they put Lori up for adoption. Oh, to try to, to try to protect her,
0: to hide her, yeah. Because
1: that makes way more sense. When her dad is like, you know, her dad realizes, like, holy shit, that you know, like, the, all those stories I heard growing up—they're true. It's real, you know. And maybe, God, they, yeah, maybe they knew they were gonna die soon too, because like, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the bloodline where, like, our yep. our oldest daughter was just murdered by our youngest, or by our son. You know, like, we're going to end up dying. So maybe something happens to them where they die in a car accident or whatever. We see, like, they put up Lori for adoption and then they're murdered somehow or they die somehow, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we can tie it all the way back.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. And then as far as the timing,
0: like, why that Halloween? Like, what was so special about that Halloween that, like, Wynn let Michael out? Was it really just because... He was older. Was it because he found out maybe it was that that tattoo like showed up on Michael's wrist one day and win is just like, what the fuck? You know, like, where did this come from? Like, he knows what it is, but he's like, you know, oh, like, they're not done with this kid. Like, they're not done with Michael. And maybe he's maybe he starts digging around and he's the one who finally finds out. Oh, okay. well, Lori wasn't dead after all. So now I got to unleash this mad dog to go get her. And that's how it all gets kicked off. So. There yeah. has to be, a, and at least at some point during this like parlor room speech when Wynn is like sort of sort of explaining all of this stuff, like in the sixth movie or whatever, you know, he's gonna have at least a little bit of regret. Like, you know, we all knew this was gonna happen, and you know, we were we sacri- we thought we could just sacrifice one family and all the rest of us would, you know, all the rest of Haddonfield and all the other founding fathers would, and, and their descendants would prosper if this one family, you know, had to die. But then, you know, we we unleashed something that we didn't understand, and you know, and. Part of it is that they're in awe of it. Part of it is that they're helping because they, they believe that, like, it helps them. But also, you know, there's got to be at least some level of, like, human regret. Like, we just – we didn't know,
1: you know? We,
0: right. we unleashed the beast.
1: Okay. All right. Hold up. So so they get – okay. So Michael kills a sister, ends up going into the asylum. You know, they uh, put Lori up for adoption. Parents end up dying, yada, yada. So mm-hmm. 15 years later, right? Yep. all this bad stuff has been happening. So maybe like the asylum is losing funding, you know, some of their stocks are plummeting, all this different thing, and they're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on. They notice that like the, maybe they have noticed like that Michael is still marked, like he never yeah. the mark never went away. So, okay, like, sure.
0: So he had it all along.
1: Okay. Right. So now they're like wait a second. What what if we we have to let him finish, you know, finish what he started. We have to let the demon do what it needs to do. Well, yeah. when they unleash him, because they kept him locked up for so long, now it's not just the bloodline of Myers that's being murdered. Mm. Now it's fucking anyone in Haddonfield. Yeah, and, now he's and, just like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> right, so now it's like, yeah. the blood will flow. The streets <laughs> will flow with the blood of the non-believers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the cult that's of the Thor- they're they're, and and that's why in part five they're going to collect him because they're like shit he's going nuts he's murdering yeah. everybody so yeah. now fuck, they gotta he kill he all him.
0: what's yeah, that? Sorry, yeah no sorry to interrupt yeah you know, this, this is exactly what it is like yeah and m- maybe this is why you know win is like pretending he doesn't know shit the whole time that he's talking to loomis like in the first two movies right mm-hmm. and, and what, what he's really doing is he's feeding loomis clues you know yep. he's like oh oh uh And it was Wynn who who found out, you know, that Laurie was still alive. And he's like, oh, Loomis, uh, look at this uh, folder I found, you know, or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time he's feeding Loomis clues because he's like, well, maybe Loomis can calm this guy down because we unleashed him. You know, he went and he killed these couple of kids. And now it's like you know, or, or Loomis takes it upon himself to try and stop him and wins like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's evil. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, uh, maybe you're right. You know, maybe we we, we weren't expecting him to kill like every babysitter on the street, you know, (laughs) 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 because some of those would have been family members of like the people who were in the cult, you know? Uh, so, and now they're losing their kids and they're like, yo, 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 like in your mad dog. So yeah. So by the, uh, and then, you know, by the end of the second movie, when he, you know, Loomis sacrifices himself supposedly to kill Michael, they blow him all up, and everyone's like, "Cool, win-win. Like, we got Loomis knew too much, and now he's gone, and we took down, you know, Michael, and like stopped, he stopped killing everybody. But we still got, you know, but you know, whatever. They missed Laurie, but they're like, okay, well, we'll get her next time, you know, and." Uh, <laughs> but what what nobody expected was that like the demon is like stronger than you know than they even realized because yeah they go in there to collect what they think is going to be like a burnt out hulk in that uh, hospital at the end of part 2 and they find you know there's Michael Myers he's still there he's like kind of burned up you know right and they're like oh shit so they lock him back up again until they can figure out what to do because then now they're like well we got to get rid of we got to get rid of Laurie somehow but we can't let Michael out because you know he's going to go on a killing spree again Right. So, right. so maybe that's why Lori is gone or supposedly dead or something. Because by the time part, the, the real part four that we got, by the time that part four starts, like she's supposedly dead. Right. And, right. and ja- Jamie's been living with um, the Lloyds like since she was little. So, mm-hmm. is it that did it? Maybe, maybe there's like some sympathetic character we can invent some sympathetic person who's a member of the cult who like secrets Lori away and she's like you got to leave the baby behind or some or some some i don't know I, i'm just making this up so i'm like i gotta put the pieces together but like somehow they're like we gotta get laurie out of here um not necessarily kill her because we want jamie lee curtis to come back later you know but hmm. we gotta get laurie out of here but like oh shit like jamie gets left behind um so yeah i literally just made that up so i'm like we gotta figure out how that works but i think it would be interesting too if th- then if we had this sympathetic thorn cult member we could have this person come in later on and like help our heroes whoever right up, right
1: okay well maybe okay here we go so we we have we have a sequence um well we we want we want it to look like jamie is dead like we are yeah. uh, you know like laurie is dead we want her to to look dead so I mean, we could explain this uh, uh, simply in like uh, a newspaper article or something very much like like they did in other movies where we see that Laurie Strode died, leaving behind an infant, Mm -hmm. you know, that was adopted by the Lloyds, yada, yada, yada. Um, Maybe we could have it as simple as like see Dr. Loomis in a hospital bed, Mm -hmm. like all burnt up, like recovering, you know, and find out like, oh, no, you know, like, you know, she fought through all of that only to die. You know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll come back later. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we could have some kind of character. I don't know if we want to have, if we want to specifically show someone uh, like warned Laurie, because I would like the audience to think like she's she's dead dead. Yeah, um, well, I, I think it could be as simple as like, let's not get caught up in that. So if we stick with the Thorn
0: trilogy, kind of the way it is focusing on Jamie. Yeah, like the, the audience can think that Laurie is dead. I'm just thinking like, we got, I would love it if H two O and Resurrection could fit somehow. Like there's no reason right. why that needs to be a different timeline because the way it is yeah. right now, H two O basically picks up from like the first two movies. They skip the Thornton trilogy and Lori talks about how she only has one kid. She's really super overprotective of her son in H two O, and and the whole time I'm watching H two O for the first time, I'm thinking like, well, well what about Jamie? You know, right, like, you had right. you had another kid. So maybe. <laughs> maybe we could maybe like by the time h2o happens like we, now we ha, now we have to fuck with h2o a little bit to make this work you know but yeah is i'm just thinking like it could be something as simple as we find out later that there was some sympathetic cult member who like the, you know michael's in the hospital and some somebody at the cult's like well we got to kill lori or michael's going to get out again like we unleashed this you know this this unstoppable demon so just cut our brake right. lines and be, be done with it right so they so that's what oh, they do oh
1: okay yeah so yeah. like
0: but like but and but Lori is like about to pop pregnant, right? So they like cut her break lines. Her and her husband they die in or to say supposedly die in the plane in the crash, right? And then the baby survives, the baby's adopted by by you know the Lloyds and everyone's happy. But then what we find out later on is that Lori wakes up in a hospital somewhere and they're like, Oh, we're sorry, your husband and your baby died, and now, you know. Michael Myers is going to find you if you don't like leave town change your name, right? So, so she uh, okay. she goes off and lives this whole other life thinking that she never had a kid, all the while, you know, Jamie's back in Haddonfield. And it was just this the cult trying to get rid of her, trying to like this one person who's like you they're going to kill you if you don't go. Like they already tried to kill you, you know, you got to get out of Dodge.
1: Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Um yeah, I mean, okay, cuz I I did have an idea of how this could all tie into H2O, so we 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 could, we could definitely tweak that. Um, I, we'll get
0: there. Like I'm just making it up, but like some something. I just think that there's a way to make it fit if we if we're gonna go back and like sort of imagine this whole Thorn trilogy thing. Like I think the the mythology of the cult could be a lot richer and it could have informed more of the movies had they fucking explained it
1: in any like, cohesive way. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, see, and that's the thing. I think part four would just be a setup. It would be a setup for the Thorn trilogy. So like, yeah, I mean. The, mm-hmm. the the information that we should get in part four should be Lori dead. You know, Lori died in a car accident. That's it. Ja- Jamie's her daughter, um, you know, was adopted by the Lloyds while she was still a baby. Um, and then for whatever reason, Michael decides to, for whatever reason, they're transporting Michael. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like the, maybe the cult letting him off the leash again, you know, because it's like, we we need to finish out whatever he's done or whatever the the demon needs to do. So mm-hmm. because remember like he gets transferred for what reason? Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they never explain. Well,
0: maybe it's that like he was healing all those years. Maybe they did go and pull him out of the hospital and he was like a burnt up, cr- crispy critter, but still alive somehow. Mm-hmm. But like so they stick him in a hospital all bandaged up and then maybe over the years they're like, why is he healing? <laughs> like <you> know, right. <laughs> and so eventually they're like. Okay, there's unfinished business. So, like, first of all, we got to get him out of Haddonfield. So, like, maybe that's what it is. It's like, let's just, we need to take him somewhere else and, like, throw him down a deep, dark hole and forget he ever existed. And Michael, you know, the demon in Michael uses the opportunity to be like, nah, like, I ain't leaving Haddonfield because there's, I don't know who it is, but there's someone out there. There's one more out there, and I'm going to find it.
1: Oh, okay, I like that. Okay, yeah, so. We, maybe we see we see Jason when Jason we see Doctor Wynn, I was thinking of Spawn for a minute there. <laughs> Jason um, Wynn, yeah. Yeah. We we see we see Doctor Wynn uh, writing the transfer papers. Like, you know, they're, they're they're gonna they're gonna take him to an asylum. You know, like in another state. You know, so he's writing the transfer papers. And then yeah, while they're being transferred, Michael comes too, just like in the movie. You know, jams his thumb in the skull of that one guy and murders him, <laughs> which is fucking nuts. Like he literally thumbs a man's forehead to death. <laughs> um but yeah so he kills him you know loomis gets wind of it it's like oh you know oh jesus the evil has awakened you know and comes running um so then we get pretty much the movie how it played out like i i don't i don't think four needs yeah. changes in fact i love the whole like you know drunk hillbillies with the guns becoming the police force because the police force has been murdered you oh, know yeah. i love that whole like you know get the posse together kind of thing with haddonfield yeah and uh, I can, yeah. and I think the way they they finish him off is fucking awesome. They they gun his ass down and mm-hmm. he falls down a well. And they then throw dynamite in it. Like fuck yeah! Like that's yeah. awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love part four. I think part four is great. Like I said, it has continuity issues that are confusing. But if you just don't worry about how it fits into the rest of the series and you just enjoy it for what it is, like it's a kick ass eighty slasher movie. I think it's great. It's got great kills, big body count. Fun scenes, like I said, it's very reminiscent of like a Frankenstein, you know, and like the fodder characters, they all have personalities for the most part, and like they're characters that we give a shit about, you know, that that they have personalities and. What makes an interesting character is, like, when you can predict what they're going to do because they've already established their personality. And so, like, when you're like, oh, shit, here comes that jerk, you know, it's like that's when the movie's interesting because then you start caring. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, oh, he killed that guy. Okay, next.
1: You know? <laughs> so, like, in part five.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Everyone in part five is like, okay, well, who's going to die next because uh, there's too many of these idiots running around the screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But I I think uh, we we definitely do want to tone down uh, Jamie's visions of Michael, because keep in mind, she wouldn't know who Michael is like she wouldn't. She was a baby. Like, why would her her adopted family be like, hey, so you know what's funny? Your uncle was a fucking psychopath. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah, maybe the kids at school will tease her. But I mean, would they even know that she's a strode like because she was adopted as an infant? So I think it would be better if she has no idea who Michael is. She has nothing like no clue. Until he comes for her. And at that yeah. point, you know, she just thinks it's the boogeyman, like they did in the first movie. So, you know, maybe yeah. she's seeing this this person following her and she keeps telling Rachel it's the boogeyman.
0: You know. Yeah, t- yeah I I think it could even be something um, kind of in kind of in the middle of that like she not that she's having visions necessarily but like she's a scaredy cat and she thinks that she sees like you know the boogeyman like around every corner and again that's why the kids at school make fun of her they don't make fun of her because you know she's like michael myers's niece or adopted or whatever they make fun of her because like she's an easy mark all the bullies are picking on her because all they gotta right. do is like jump out from behind a door and she pisses herself because you know and she has nightmares all the time and you know she's just a scared kid who thinks that she sees She's something like she's afraid of the dark, you know? Right. She doesn't doesn't want to go trick-or-treating because it's like everyone dressed up in masks trying to scare each other at night. That's everything that she hates. Until eventually, you know, Rachel, her sister, is like convincing her, like, no, come on. Like, it's really fun. Like, I'm gonna show you how fun it really can be. And so she finally relents to go trick-or-treating in like a happy costume. I'm gonna be a clown, a happy thing. And then she gets like ditched and she's on on her own, and exactly in the situation that she never wanted to be in, which is alone by herself at night everybody's trying to scare her and then the real fucking boogeyman shows up like that's the worst terror ever so like love as, if you're a kid and you're watching this movie you're
1: pissing yourself right
0: along with jamie
1: yeah no that's perfect i i love it so yeah so we have we have that whole thing play out then we we do the whole thing with the you know they all go back to the sheriff's house like we you know michael comes in destroys all the you know the kills the cops kills uh Hatsy Totsy, I forget her name, but you know, stabs her with the gun. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, kill kills all of them. You know, Loomis tries to help. Rachel and, and, and Jamie get away. Uh then eventually we have the Posse gun down Michael, whole ending the way the the way it happened. Then have Loomis talking to the family along with Sheriff, I forget his name, but I'm just going to say Brackett. I know Brackett is the original Sheriff, but uh, I think can't it's remember the Meeker. It's Meeker, Meeker. isn't it? Sh- Meeker, sheriff Meeker, yeah. you're right. So yeah, so Sheriff Meeker and uh, and Loomis are talking to the family. We see the mom get up, go run the bath for, for Jamie being like, you know, she's been through enough, like I'm going to put her to bed, you know, and then we we mm. do the whole POV shot, just like the first movie, the mom gets stabbed, you know, Jamie comes that like, standing at the top of the stairs, covered in blood with the, the clown mask. Loomis sees her, just like he did in, the, in part four, starts screaming and pulls a fucking gun on her, which is a detail I love. <laughs> he's like, fuck this kid. And he yep. was going to shoot the kid. And Meeker <laughs> stops him and Loomis is like, no, she must die. Like, I love that. But <laughs> so we end it with Jamie looking like she she's snapped. And then part five, again, we're, we're, we're going to drop 99% of the bullshit in this movie because there's a lot of bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah it's a can, bunch of crap. Can we just say fuck the character of Tina and have Rachel live up till the end? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think so, too, because I remember, oh, well, just a couple of days ago, my most
0: recent rewatching of part five, to refresh my memory, and I remembered that, that Rachel had gotten killed, but I was like, wait, who the fuck is this Tina character, and why does Jamie seem to love her so much? Right. Like she, she shows up on screen, and it's like... Uh, Jamie's just freaking out like a, you know, like a dog when its owner comes home after vacation, like just, you know, (laughs) and it's like, who, who even is this person? And they never explain why Jamie likes her so much. Like she's just like her sister's friend. And then, yeah, Rachel gets killed pretty early on. And then the whole movie focuses around this, tina character that we just met and it's like i don't even know who this person is like i don't know why i'm supposed to care suddenly like she has a whole bunch of friends and boyfriend or whatever and it's like who are these people they don't spend any time making any any uh sorry they didn't spend they don't spend any time like making us give a shit about these people so yeah fuck
1: tina rachel needs to live yeah i mean that that whole sequence like i think honestly the the Ooh, sorry i got the hiccups (laughs) i think the the best thing to do here is Get rid of all of the, you know, uh, oh, we're gonna go to the costume party at the whatever, the tower costume party, whatever that bullshit. Get get rid of all that. Yeah. Um so have have Rachel still coming to the hospital to see Jamie, you know, who, who is basically for all intents and purposes her little sister. Like she grew mm-hmm. up with this girl in her house. Like, have maybe maybe the mom didn't die. Maybe just like it because I mean that's how it was in in Halloween five. Like, she didn't actually die, she was rushed to the hospital and survived. Yeah. But You know, so so, yeah, so maybe she didn't get the kill so that the kill didn't jump to the Lloyd family. So it's still within the the Myers bloodline at this point. So Jamie isn't fully cursed because Michael is still alive. So let's say this whole movie, what if she's still having vision? So it's almost like the demon is like it's like he's got a toe in Jamie, you know, like she's she's slightly Mm -hmm. possessed by Michael. So we do still do all the vision stuff, how she was seeing what Michael was seeing, um, because she's connected to the demon. When the demon thought that its host was dying in part four, it started to move on, like started to possess the next in the bloodline, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, Jamie. Yeah. Um. So this whole movie, we could have this we could build some really intense moments where like Jamie is trying to escape from Michael. Only suddenly she sees what Michael is seeing. So she's seeing like. Hit, like she's seeing herself chase herself type of thing. So how disorienting would that be? You know, oh, like yeah, yeah. so we could have we could play with that. Like this this constant having these visions at really inopportune times just really puts her in danger. Um, but yeah, I think we we stick with Rachel being the main like hero character with Jamie. Um, we have uh we still keep Loomis going more and more crazy. I love that. I love the fact that he was just getting fucking nuts by part five. Yeah. Uh, But I think we explain more with the man in black because we have the man, which we obviously know turns out to be win. But we see the man in black arrive in Haddonfield Mm -hmm. and then we don't see the man in black again until the end of the fucking movie. Like, let's have more with him watching the events, like maybe like guiding Michael toward Jamie. Like so we could see like this character is is somehow connected to Michael.
0: Yeah, yeah. We could, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but at one point, yeah, like, Jamie gets away, and then we have to have the man in black just kind of show up, and, like, he he sees her leave, and then the next thing we know, like, Michael's
1: chasing her again. Like, we give the hint that,
0: like, wait, did that
1: dude just tell Michael where she was, you know? Right, yeah. So we we got to have something where it's, like, where he plays a bigger role than just, like, ah, oh, I'm the creepy man in black that shows up in town to kick a puppy, and then I'm going to shoot up a police station. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so stupid. But so I think like we yeah, we, we cut out all of that bullshit. Get rid of all the all of Tina and her friends and all of that nonsense. The one thing I will say that I did like about that segment is the fact that Michael wears a different mask, which uh, we never see in any of the mainline movies. At least we mm. see that in the Rob Zombie movies um but yeah like it, he has that old man mask that looks like the goon <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it, but we could do that. Like, it's weird too because he's like driving a lot. He drives
0: a lot in this movie. Yeah, both like just driving to the party, but then also like later on as like a weapon, trying to run Jamie down. Which I got to admit, like the, the chase scene is really cool, and like I wouldn't mind keeping it in the movie. You know, where he like he grabs a car and just fucking chases her with it. Like you don't expect like Jason Voorhees to do that. So like it's a right. pretty cool, it's a pretty cool uh, twist. But like yeah, this whole thing like they could, they could even be a party. Sure, Rachel's gonna go to her party with her friends. Whatever her friends are just faceless people then she jumps in a car with him and drives off and that's it and like michael follows him um, because you know He's trying to find Jamie. He's like, oh well, there's Jamie's sister. Let me follow the sister. Maybe Jamie's there. Whatever. Like something as simple as that. And then yeah, he shows up and he's like, well, I don't see Jamie, but there's there sure are a whole lot of fucking dumbass teenagers here. So slash slash left and right. Yeah, (laughs) but that's what. So yeah, maybe he maybe he shows up and he kills like the some kid you know who's like on the front lawn you know thrown up and he like steals his mask, walks into the party. He's walking around like looking for Jamie or again whatever. Right? He's looking and he's basically using that as like he's not stupid. He can drive a car. Like he's hiding for a minute and then when he's done hiding, he starts killing him, you know? <laughs> but we can, right. but yeah, it would, it would be fun to know that there's this guy walking through your party and everyone's like, people are trying to hand him a beer, you know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> it yes, would, It would be a fun sequence where maybe he looks down at the beer and does that whole like puppy dog head tilt thing that like Jason does, you know? Right. And, <laughs> you know it just it would just be really funny and people are looking at him weird like who's this old weird dude and yeah some not rachel or tina but some yeah some random yeah tina tina's in the movie but she's just some random like drunk girl at the party who's like you know oh billy you made it i thought you were like you know or you're back i thought you were, you were sick and left or blah 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 like and she's just like all hanging on him until he's just you know <laughs> he just and he just like walks right through her and she's right. just, like. You know, what the fuck, Billy? Like, fine. Like, I'm like, you know, and she turns around to some random dudes there. She's like, come here. And just like kisses him to like, you know, make her, you know, her quote unquote boyfriend jealous. And <laughs> right? just, like, just just little comedic scenes like that, that would take minutes instead of like the 20, 30, 40 minutes of the movie that are wasted with him trying to kill these four teenagers we don't care
1: about. Exactly. And they're and they're fucking dumbass pranks and the the two comic relief cops and just part Pir- five has so many wrong things with it. It, um, well, shit,
0: dude, I say we fucking keep that one scene in where, like, they're trying to prank the cops with the fucking mask. Dude, I say have that cop pull his gun out and shoot that bitch and then and then find out, oh, crap, I just shot, like, you know, the captain of the football team in the throat. <laughs> 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 yes. But it, it would it would mirror that scene from part two when, like, they ran the kid down into the ambulance and it fucking blew up. <laughs> when and they killed was, like,
1: Ben Tramer.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <Like, laughs> Oh, right. So I I think, but but again, it would, it would be like both like um, funny and kind of like a twisted macabre kind of a way, but also like a fun little scene, like screw a stupid prank, have a prank go wrong because you know, like oh shit, like every the town's on edge or the cops are on edge because like someone's killing. But like the teens at the party don't know, and then now suddenly like they it's like now everyone's like you know in a it's like kicking a, the the hornet's nest. You know now it's right. like oh shit we killed we killed this kid and then they they find some more dead kids outside in the barn or whatever and suddenly now the whole town's in a panic and now the cops are trying to like find Jamie find Michael. But now they can't because, again, like the whole town just blew up in like a buzz of activity. And so now it's even more of a danger for Jamie because Michael's chasing her in a freaking car. And the cops can't do anything because they're overwhelmed by like insanity,
1: like mob rule. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Okay, So, yeah, I I love where you're going with this. So we have we have the, the cops already on edge looking for Michael. We have the prank go wrong, you know. People get killed, all that. Yeah. have We have the mob rule thing where the, the town is flipping out, which gives Loomis a chance because he recognizes that something is wrong with Jamie. He sees the evil is in her, but he doesn't understand why, because Michael is still out there and yep. she's she's not she's not fully evil. Like he notices it comes in flashes. So he takes her back to the Myers house, just like which which side note. Why does the Myers house look so fucking different in four and five and then goes <laughs> right back to be in the normal one in part six? I don't get it. Um,
0: uh, movies are stupid.
1: <laughs> right. But anyway, that's just enough. And also, I'm, I'm sorry, let me just let me just uh, segue for one sec, too. Can I can I just comment on how dumb it is that a town who had a mass murder would then have that same outfit in every fucking five, five and dime <laughs> in the state? Like, it's like in Scream, at least in Scream, they explain it away like, hey, there was a popular film franchise based on the true events. So it became known as the Stab Mask. It's like, yeah. OK, at least that has a movie to go with it. In Halloween, it's like, hey, we had a serial killer. Let's everybody dress up like him. I
0: know. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like That just always bugged me. But, okay, sorry, real, real quick. One more quick, since we're doing quick observations before we get back to the main plot But Loomis. At the beginning of part 5, I was so mad when I watched it a couple of days ago because I had forgotten that like you, what they they basically they show the ending of part 4 again and they show how Michael gets out of that well that he was thrown down and blown up in because like it's a well or or something and he come he he basically like follows like running water out into like a creek and like gets away and there's like some like homeless guy or someone who like takes him in, and helps him. And then suppose supposedly he's like comatose for like a year living yeah. with this like homeless guy. And the whole time I'm like, that dude's not wiping his ass. That dude's not feeding him with a tube. Like, <laughs> how is he comatose for a year? That dude would have like kicked him to the curb. Like he's he's like a homeless guy surviving in like a shack by himself. He's not taking care of this guy. So yeah. I think I, I say just Cut that part out and just this is where we bring back the man in black immediately in at the beginning of part five because we have Michael get out the side, go into the stream, you know get away, and then the man in black shows up and he takes him, right yes. and then when Michael comes back a year later, we don't have to explain shit. he was just with the man in black like and we'll we'll learn about the cult later. Yep. done done. Dude, you, perfect you fix a, fix a huge problem
1: that is that is the perfect fix because honestly in my head, like I, I was just thinking,, oh, let's have him like get rid of the homeless guy altogether. Uh, and just have Michael kind of like be living in the woods like a fucking hobo for a year. <laughs> but but no, I love that. Have the man in black, pick him up. Boom. Done deal. So we, we still end this movie similarly, where uh, while the, now we have the like you said, the uh, the town is flipping shit. The cops are overwhelmed. Loomis uses that as cover to take uh, take Jamie and try to lure Michael back to to the house where he set a trap. Mm-hmm. So we have the same thing where things go wrong. You know, Loomis gets stabbed. Michael's chasing Jamie all over the the frickin, you know, all over the house. Um. So we have we have all that stuff happening. We have the great uh, laundry shoot scene, which actually is a really good scene. I, yeah. I love that because it always freaked me out as a kid, like him slashing at her while she's trapped in there. Um, maybe we have the moment. Where because I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but where she's like she tries to see her uncle's face, oh, you yeah. know, but maybe we have that where Michael is trying to fight back the demon because he's possessed. Like we find yeah. out he's possessed and like it takes over. He still tries to attack her. Then we get Loomis, you know, drop the metal net on him, drank him, beat the shit out of him with the stick while Michael is down. Have Jamie go into a blind rage and start attacking loomis oh nice cluing loomis into the fact that holy shit she's wrong too like something is going on with her but at this point this is where maybe the cops come in they find jamie attacking loomis you know they restrain her they get loomis they get michael we end with the police station getting gunned down by the man in black just like in the original um but the man in black we see him taking taking jamie and taking michael away so we we end with we see them being spirited away by the man in black.
0: Yeah, and that's perfect. That's a great way to end it. It's a we just sat we get a satisfying little showdown and you know Jamie freaks out and then cliffhanger.
1: Perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So plus we now mirror the fact that part four she freaked out, part five she freaked out. Something is wrong with Jamie. Yeah. So now we get to to the big like we we've spent we spent a lot of time covering two films. Oh boy! Okay, now we get to the main event, (laughs) (laughs) Halloween Six. Now, here's here's my proposal: we change pretty much the entire movie while keeping a couple key elements. I like I like Tommy Doyle coming back. I hate the way they portray Tommy Doyle. Where he's yeah. just like, his name was Michael Myers. I escaped him once when I was a child. <laughs> like, fuck all that. Get rid of that whole riff-raff style psychopath. Make make Tommy like he he survived a traumatic event. You know, he stayed in Haddonfield for whatever reason. But like, you know, he's a little nervous, you know, trying to get on with his life, but he's the type of guy who like goes to therapy, is like mm-hmm. on medication, like for his anxiety. Yeah he's just trying to live a normal fucking life. And every couple of years, he hears about, like, Michael Myers-related things, and he's just like, oh, fuck. You know, so he's always, like, nervous that it's right around the corner. But maybe, like, maybe he's taking care of a sick mother or something like that, so he's staying in Haddonfield. Um, So I like the idea of having Tommy Doyle there, but I hate the way they had him played.
0: Um, Yeah, he he shouldn't be this weird, like, uh, like, peeping Tom creeper guy. Yeah, exactly. He should be traumatized not you know mm-hmm. not only did he survive you know a michael myers attack as a kid and he saw a lot of it but then yeah exactly as he's living in the town he's like every couple of years the dude fucking comes back and every couple of years he like freaks out has a panic attack and locks himself up in his house for a week you know and right. it's like and he's just trying to survive and again throwaway lines of dialogue solve all kinds of continuity problems it's like something that hollywood just can't understand right, <laughs> right. it's like all it has to be is, you know, he can just be. At some point, while he's explaining who he is and meeting Doctor Loomis, all he has to do is be like, "Yeah, you know, like, you know, my gr- my grandma is like sick, or my mom's, or you know, and, and whatever. And like, I, I couldn't leave. know, yeah, I couldn't leave my mom. Couldn't leave my whatever. Just something where it's like he feels guilt about leaving town because of a family member, so he doesn't ever want to leave. But he hates it there because, like, it's like you know, the the town where you know he saw his friends get murdered.
1: And maybe he could even have a throwaway line where he says like something along the lines, "It feels like the whole town is cursed." Yeah, you know, perfect. Which perfect, make yeah. would would lean into the whole curse <laughs> of Michael Myers. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> no, like the I, look I, at the camera and wink, right? <laughs> right, right? Right. But like the whole Strode family, fuck all of that. Get rid of all of that. The whole movie should oh, be about garbage. Tommy Doyle and and uh, Jamie Lloyd. Now, my my proposal here is that. We have Jamie escape the cult. So have her escape back to Haddonfield. Now she's a teenager at this point. Maybe she runs into Tommy. Maybe Tommy is like coming back from the grocery store or something. And this like girl who it's got like blood on her, like clearly injured, freaking out, doesn't want to go to the cops. Like she runs into him and he's like, what the hell? Like, what do I do? You know? So he tries to like, you know, help her out. You know, she starts to explain who she is, why she's there, all that and maybe he starts to have a panic attack. Like he, start, he hears the name Michael Myers and he starts to freak out, you know, so we, we can have this this very tenuous mm-hmm. relationship between the two of them where he's horrified but wants to help this this person in need, you yeah, know. OK, you know, and, and instead of having the whole baby thing and all that, it's it's Jamie that Michael's after. Like, you know, maybe she was supposed to become the new host for the, the demon and she got away. So now we have the more like demonic Michael Myers that we see in part six where he's just fucking brutalizing everybody. You know, maybe he he's off the leash again. Like he escapes after her and the whole cult is like, fuck, we got to go clean this up. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And again, simple line of dialogue, you know, Loomis at some point is confronting wind, like a wind sort of explaining his whole dialogue, di- diabolical plan. And now he's like, Loomis, you have to help me. You're the only one who's ever been able to stop Michael. Like, you know, he's off the chain and like, I know this is our fault. We did this, you know, because we thought it would, you know, be better for our families or whatever. But now it's like gone too far, you know, and, you know, Jamie's possessed and, and Michael is just completely, you know, lost it. We can't control him anymore. Like, you know, like he and so you have to help us, Loomis, please. You
1: know, right. <laughs> And yeah, like, see that that's that was the one the one uh, part I couldn't figure out exactly in my notes. I had I had when still coming to Loomis trying to do the thing that he did in part six where it's like, oh, yeah, come back to Smith's Grove. But really, he's trying to find out if Jamie has had any kind of contact with. And that's what I had in my notes. But Mm -hmm. I like this better because then we can explain right to the audience what the fucking cult of Thorn is, you know what Mm -hmm. they did. You know, Loomis can be like you motherfuckers and realize, like, holy shit, my whole life has been fucked up because of you people. Um, so we can have some nice tension between Loomis and Wynn. Yeah. But, oh, okay.
0: sorry, go
1: ahead. I was going to say, the, the whole thing is, like, have, have Jamie going back to Haddonfield because maybe she's convinced the only place she can kill Michael is where it all began. So she's trying to lure Michael back to to have a final confrontation to, to finally fucking put an end to it. And mm-hmm. I have I have an idea for how that's going to happen. But OK, gonna well,
0: yeah. I was going to say I have one of those like light bulb moments where I'm like, wait a second. So we talked about earlier how. Like uh Michael got all burnt up in the hospital, and then he was like healing for some reason, and it's you know, and that's how we kind of explain why he's not just like a big burnt out cinder. But what about Loomis? Like Loomis was in the same room with him, right? Like why isn't Loomis completely destroyed? And, and maybe like we we reveal that right here where Wind comes to him and he's like Loomis, like look, I gotta tell you this story, like you gotta help me, and we get this whole like parlor sequence where he's sort of explaining it, and then Loomis is like, you know, why me? Why should I help you? Like you know, I tried to help all these years and it was like everyone you know sabotaged me or tried to stop me all they all thought i was crazy and then just have win be like you know look at your hand look at your face like you have a beard like where are your scars like you know like don't you understand loomis like you're a smart guy like i you know like he's in denial all these years and win is pointing out to the fact that like you know you have just as much of a bond with michael as jamie does you're the only one that can stop
1: him oh shit okay so it's like it's the yin and yang thing you know, like he has to, yeah. he has to be there. Like, so, so like, yeah, it's, it's the whole idea that if, uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of the the phrasing, but it's, it's, it's an idea that if evil exists, there's an equal good in, in mm-hmm. existence as well. So, yeah, no, I like that. So, so yeah, so have Loomis working with the fucking cult at this point to try to stop Michael.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a great, that's a, that's a tried and true, like, you know, third act storyline, uh, or story, uh, I guess not really a cliche or trope, but it's like, yeah, when you team up with the enemy to stop the bigger enemy, you know, like that happens all the time in movies. Um, and I, I want to say to a, a, an interesting bit of trivia as I'm kind of like just looking up stuff, you know, they mentioned in the movie, uh, in part six, you know, Tommy Doyle, who's like obsessed with Michael Myers for some reason he knows all this like druidic, like runic history, you know, right. he explains he explains that thorn is a rune, which it is. It's like an, uh, an old English or, you know, rune that's uh, a symbol that goes back to, you know, like Viking or whatever times, you know. And it, we, we had it even in modern English not that long ago. It's, it's the letter that represents the TH sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that win is also the name of a rune. In the same old English alphabet that it looks kind of like the capital letter P and it's like a W sound and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting that there's a character named win and then win is also one of these runes. It's probably a total coincidence. But, you know, at some point. Uh, there was a, there was a version of Curso Michael Myers, the producer's cut, whatever, that was very different, but you know, we can, we can kind of get into some of the ideas in that. But one of the things that was in that weird producer's cut is that for some reason, Loomis ends up with like a thorn tattoo on his arm, just like Michael has. And I think, it'd oh, be inter- yeah. I think it would be interesting if, again, I don't know if we want to do it, but like as a possibility, like when Wind is sort of explaining to Loomis, like you know, you're this guy, like you're the you're the secret, you're the only one who can take him down, like you have this power just like him, like look at you, this is why you're alive. And then maybe Loomis just looks at him shocked, and he like looks down at his own arm, and he pulls the sleeve back, and he's like, you know, disappeared years ago, and he has this like fucking rune, like a wind rune on his arm, like it's a you know, it's like oh shit, he's some kind of you know avatar of goodness or some shit. Like if we if we want to go down that route, I think that there's an interesting you know. uh, like little trivia to, uh, concept to throw in there by having it be this wind rune instead.
1: Okay. No, that's, that is, that is really cool. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of how that would work in. Cause I, cause I had a bunch of ideas that.
0: I'm not saying we have to do it. I just think it's a cool thing. I just I thought it was a fun idea. You know what I mean? But, no, no, like, I, but I, I don't like want to that... throw you off.
1: No, 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 I like it though. That's why I'm like, Ooh, how can we work that? <laughs> cause I think that's really cool. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to mention that, that I forgot is, uh, why, so why would Tommy help Jamie, right? So like, there's just this freaked out girl who's injured, Mm -hmm. tries to help her. Maybe he wants to get her to a hospital, you know, but she's refusing. She doesn't want to go to any hospital and he's just like, what the fuck, you know, what's going on? And maybe she, he witnesses one of her trances. Like he, you know, while she's Mm -hmm. like frantically trying to explain, she like goes like almost catatonic and is just, like, staring straight ahead because she's seeing what Michael is seeing. And then she describes okay. vividly a murder. So, like, Michael kills somebody on his way, like, trying to to find her. Um. So, he murders somebody, you know, she's describing it to Tommy, he's like, this bitch is crazy! And then, like, the <laughs> next day on the news, he finds out about this person being murdered in, like, pretty much exact place, exact location, exact description that Jamie gave him, and is like, oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> like like this is real like okay wait a second so that he reluctantly has no choice but to believe what she's telling him so you know he he does agree to help her out um one of the things i want to do and i don't know how we're going to get there but i want to have like the the old abandoned myers house this is why i said fuck the strode so the house is <laughs> is just abandoned you know uh graffitied and all that shit you know it's it's the house the boogeyman built type of thing um so they go there to have their final showdown, and basically rig the place, you know, with explosives, like be like fucking <laughs> okay. home, homemade style explosives, like we gotta fucking get him in here and blow his ass to kingdom come, like just destroy Michael Myers once and for all. Um, <laughs> so we have the the cult coming after him, Michael coming after Jamie, Jamie and Tommy trying to make a final stand. I don't know how we want to we want to do this with the township if we want to have the cops involved you know innocent fodder all that um I know we're kind of we're kind of moving quick here because you know we this this is going to be a longer <laughs> Episode. Yeah, I mean, we're throwing the whole
0: storyline of Part Six out anyway, so you know, I don't really think that really much of it matters because the entirety of Part Six is basically going to be we're going to finally find out the backstory of the Thorn Cult by having Win kind of bring Loomis into the fold, like kind of recruit him a little bit, almost into the cult because he's like, "I need your help, Loomis." At the same time, you got Jamie back in Haddonfield who's like, you know, "Look, I like I you know I killed my mom or almost killed my mom, like I'm just having all these visions, like I don't want to be." This this person hell maybe she has the fucking thorn tattoo showing up like faintly on her arm and she's like no i don't like i don't want this whatever it is she's like i don't want this i don't understand it she doesn't have the thorn people there to explain it to her she's just she thinks that she's just going crazy and she's got some weird connection to this monster and she like just wants to stop it you know so yeah so you know it could be like she almost you know accidentally or whatever like runs into tommy doyle and he's like oh i've seen it like i know all about it like this it's real you know i was right there and you know we kind of find out who who he is and so yeah and maybe she has that little trance like you said you know he finds out that what she's saying is real and maybe at first he's just like yo you got to go like you know i don't want anything to do with this but she has to she convinces him like no no like you survived it like you've seen it you know how dangerous it is like you have to help me there's no one else here but but you know whatever like to have their little team up you know but of course tommy has to be reluctant um right because eventually he's gonna snap and you know beat the shit out of michael or try to or whatever like eventually like that's that's the character arc of tommy doyle is he's like living his whole life in in like cringing fear just like jamie did when she was a kid and she was like a big scaredy cat and now that they're grown up like he's gonna snap at some point you know Um, right and but yeah maybe and maybe that maybe it's that yeah, Loomis and Wren like come to town, and you know Michael is on a killing spree, like trying to find Jamie. Jamie's like luring him back to like you know the house or someplace where she feels like okay, we have to like you know set up like a base. Like we're gonna draw him in here, and we're gonna kill him. Tommy, you're gonna help me. So Loomis and the cult people show up. And they're like, okay, like let's do this. Like we're gonna turn this house into like a you know a haunt of horrors with explosives and you know and and like fucking Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street like traps and shit. Right. You know. And it's like you know come on, Michael. Like we're gonna bring you into our little you know house of uh, of horror.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna alter my notes here because I like what you're, where you're going with this. So we're we're gonna have uh so yeah we have Wynn and and Loomis show up maybe with some of the other cult members and mm-hmm. um. At first, we're gonna have you know Tommy and and um, uh, Jamie think like you know oh shit they're here to to get us you know yeah. so we could we could have this whole like comedy of errors thing where like you know they tr- we have like a little standoff try to have them fight and all that until we we see Loomis is with them and once we see Loomis is with them they're like why what's going on and we can explain you know a little bit more of the details maybe have maybe have when this is where we get our our big backstory uh to the to the viewer we get the big backstory like you know when this all started you know and kind of go back and show how it connects to part one to part two you know have the whole like talk about connell cochran from part three like (laughs) kind of have it like lead up and have them explain to jamie you know we're sorry your bloodline is cursed like yeah like this we tried to stop it by by you know imprisoning him but it only made the demon angrier. And now he's trying to destroy the entire town. Like we have to stop him type of thing. So now mm. we get the big team up. <laughs> we got to get a big old team up with the, 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 the cult with uh, Tommy, with Jamie, with Loomis. They set it all up. We get, uh, you know, maybe Michael just starts fucking chewing through the cult. Like, I mean, he's just murder spree. Like they're gunning him down. He's just hacking him apart. Doesn't fucking matter. He's like, you know, fucking got Jaws vision just on Jamie. He's coming right at her.
0: So, oh, sorry, real quick, real quick, real quick. It would be a fun detail if, again, because they're here, like, on a mission to stop Michael. They're going to set this house up with, like, booby traps and explosives, whatever. What if everybody in the cult, what, what if at one point, you know, they, they, we have a whole little montage where they're, like, you know, running, running, uh, you know, uh, wires for wicks and, you know, and explosive, right. you know, uh, dynamite, you know, tying it up or whatever. And at some point, Wynn's like, okay, it's time. And, like, the camera pulls back. You see the house. Here comes Michael down the middle of the street as, like, the sun's going down and then you see people come out or you see one person step out from behind a car and they're in that like white and red like clown outfit that jamie had on and michael just like slashes this dude and then like two more people could walk out and all these all these like cult of thorn people they knew that they were going to die and they're just putting themselves in front of michael but they're all in these like clown outfits like to confuse him you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> I imagine Michael Myers walking down the middle of the street at sunset, just slashing clowns left and right.
1: <laughs> that would be awesome. Love it. So yeah, so he's just fucking out a murder spree at this point, just like chewing through them, coming down, like coming right at him. So I, I think what we should have is like, we have the final showdown, obviously like between Loomis, Tommy and, uh, and, and Jamie, maybe he, like he stabs Loomis, you know, Loomis is down for the count. You know, Tommy is, like, fighting with with Michael, but he's getting his ass kicked. And then we have Jamie, you know, like, pop up, fucking decapitate Michael. So we take the decapitation scene from H2O, right? She nice. gets a fire axe, fucking chops his head off. He goes down, like, blood spurting. But as soon as she does that, we have her drop the axe. We do a close-up on her eyes, like, wide open. And we just get this fast montage flashback of Michael's kills. So like this, like almost like a replay, just like slashing lots of death, lots of death. And then she passes out like she faints. So we have, you know, Tommy and Loomis were like, Loomis is still injured, run over, trying to like wake her up. She jumps up and fucking stabs Loomis in the throat. Oh, shit. And Loomis falls over dying. And she like looks at Tommy like very, like very much like Michael, like just looks straight at him, like ready to kill. But she's fighting it. You see her kind of fight, and maybe she's able to get out just like one like she just looks at him and says, end it. And then like gets up Mm -hmm. coming at him. He runs out of the house, triggers the explosives, fucking blows it up. Loomis and Jamie, boom, dead. Like, blows him the fuck up. So Tommy Doyle. What's that? And
0: Michael's body's in there,
1: right? Exactly. So they're, they're just fucking burned it all to the ground. So maybe it's like. You know, when and a couple of the other cult members are outside, like, you know, coughing in the soot and all that. And Tommy's like, you know, his whole life. Like we, we actually have like Tommy be the hero of the fucking cult trilogy nice. where it's like the little boy who lived, you know. So oh, that's awesome. We, we see that, you know, like it, it's it's all crazy, you know, that we, we have uh, like maybe that we hear uh, sirens and shit like, you know, coming closer we can, we can close it off with seeing Tommy get thrown to the ground and handcuffed for murder and arson, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he doesn't resist. So we cut yeah. to a black scene. Now, here's where, here's, here's where I want to lead it into. So we cut to an office where we hear a woman talking to her doctor on speakerphone, telling him about the nightmares, saying that they've been getting more and more intense, that they feel so real. We pan around the office. We see a scrapbook lying open on a desk with a bunch of newspaper articles about Haddonfield. We hear the doctor telling uh, telling the woman that he's going to prescribe her much stronger medication, that that should help with the dreams. We you know, she thanks him, hangs up. We pan over to the, the woman taking pills we see on the on the bottle of the pills. It says the name Carrie Tate oh, She pops nice. it open, takes a pill, looks in the mirror. It's Laurie Strode. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. And then before the camera closes, she gets a vision like a flash of Michael Myers black screen.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I love it.
1: So now we can do H2O. (laughs) Nice.
0: Yeah, it it should be a thing where she's looking in the mirror, and then like there's a flash of Michael like standing where she's standing, you know, like like face on face for like just a split second. Yeah, that'd be freaking awesome. I, I I was almost w- waiting for it to be like, you know, they take down Tommy, like Tommy killed Michael, Tommy killed, Tommy killed everybody. You know, they, they get Tommy. And then if we want to, if we want to draw out this whole, like, you know, good and evil, like mystic mystical <laughs> bullshit, you know, we have, we should, we should, we see Tommy like, you know, later on before we cut away to Carrie Tate, we see Tommy, you know, sitting in the holding cell or whatever, like relieved finally. And then like, he's, he's like, you see him like scratching his wrist a little bit. And he looks down and he's got the fucking symbol on his oh, wrist. Oh shit. <laughs> like, Oh shit, and then cut the black and then you know faded it, faded it back into the Carrie Tate scene you just said. I was like, yeah, just just throw a hook in there for some reason why not? <laughs> well, see
1: I, I think yeah, I mean we, we could even have him have the wind symbol, you know yeah. because yeah. like it, it basically like, well shit, why why do I have this? like what's going on? like the, the bloodline is severed like what why mm-hmm. am I? and then we yeah. find out that Lori never died yeah, or, Lori is... faked her death.
0: Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a perfect, yeah, that's a perfect through line of logic, right? Like, why does he have the wind symbol was because Laurie's still around. And then when it goes, you see that flash of Michael cut to black, the Halloween theme music plays, and any, anybody watching this movie who understands what we've been doing the whole time will know Michael's not really dead, or somehow, somehow Michael has to come back, no matter what we did to him, you know, decapitated him, burned him up, doesn't matter. He's Mm -hmm. coming back one way or the other. Because well, the mission is not over.
1: See, and here's here's what I'm thinking, though, because, again, if it's it's all about the demon that had him possessed, mm-hmm. my, my idea for part seven would be. And I've, I've been I've been carrying a torch for this fucking for years. <laughs> Chaos Comics back in fucking like I think it was like 2000. They did a three issue miniseries. It was a sequel to H2O where Laurie Strode went insane And took up the mantle of Michael. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Rob Zombie, if you look at the end of Halloween 2, the way he had it leading up to is it looked like Lori was going to do that very thing. Like she was going nuts. But part three got canceled because of the poor reviews from part two. So they, they never did the third planned Rob Zombie Halloween. So we've still never seen Lori as the killer. And I think... With, with this, we have the perfect opportunity. So she's getting the flashes, like we see the, the flash, like you said, the face on the face in the mirror at the end of this one. So if we do H2O, I say that we, we, we say, fuck it, we do exactly what they did in part seven. We have her, you know, have a whole new life. She has a son. You know, maybe like when she when she had Jamie, like she was traumatized from everything she had been through. Mm-hmm. She wasn't ready to be a mom. She gave up her daughter for adoption, hoping she would have a better life, especially because, like, she was on all sorts of medication, like freaking out, thinking, like, am I going to become just like my brother? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she, she was a young girl. Yeah. So she gives up her, her daughter for adoption, hoping she'd have a better life, not knowing the curse of the bloodline. So, yep. you know, years later she gets she gets married, she has a son, you know, the divorce happens, all that. She, you know, she buries herself in her work, becomes the head and mistress of a prestigious private college uh out in California, way away from Haddonfield. But now she's getting these visions of her brother. And just like we see in H2O, where she keeps seeing visions of Michael, but she'll blink and they go away. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll play that whole game until eventually murders start happening on the campus and we see Michael all over the place. But my idea here was to have the whole thing like, you know, have Laurie fighting Michael just like just like we get in part in H2O, the big, great showdown with her and Michael, you know, she tries to get her son out of there, all that stuff. But then have like we see Michael like get a hold of Jonathan, right? Like he's about to kill him and then just have him say mom please and back out and we see it's lori holding him by the neck like has have, have a butcher knife she you know spazzes out she's been the one killing she's been the one nice. doing all the murder and then have her freak out and kill herself only to then have jonathan get the flashes of all the murders and, oh yeah. Fuck and, yeah and and with his, like a close up of his shocked face seeing all the, the flashes
0: so. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, fuck yeah, no, that's amazing. It, it's funny because I, I was, I was thinking the same thing. As soon as you were like, "Oh, Laurie's gonna become the killer," I'm like, "Oh, it's cool. We we pull like a Fight Club in HBO yeah. and have it right." No, that that'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Michael really was dead in that house at the end of part six, and so was Jamie, and so was Loomis. Everyone really did die this time because this time. Instead of because Jamie's not around, I mean, that demon had to go somewhere and it's like, well,, I gotta find Lori, you know, but it mm-hmm. it, it could have been years or whatever. And yeah, and then we, we don't necessarily need to see Tommy Doyle again, but he's out there somewhere, you know, and yep. uh, maybe he can come back in some new version of resurrection, you know well, yeah, uh,
1: and that's the thing because of this whole thing that you created with the whole idea of of when kind of being like the keeper and having that whole other runestone, if we were to do a resurrection with Jonathan as the new Michael Myers, we could have uh Tommy Doyle basically be the new Dr. Loomis, like chasing him down, trying to stop the evil.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That'd be awesome. And you could even do that whole—I mean, that whole like reality TV thing in Resurrection was weird. But even if you wanted to do that, like, you could just introduce this new element of like, yeah, that's yeah, that's Michael Myers, and they're on this reality TV show, except it's actually Jonathan behind the mask, not the original Michael. The original Michael's been dead. Yeah, and then you have you know Tommy show up and just introduce this new character who's like, no, 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 get the cameras out of here. You don't understand the (laughs) evil. Right.
1: But yeah, I I like the idea of taking of using the Thorn trilogy to turn Michael into a legacy character versus this dude that just won't die.
0: You yeah, know? I think so. I think that's great. I mean, it's it, that's fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is just just you know just winging it. You know, but yeah, I think this is this is really awesome. We kind of you know what we did was we ended up you know making Jamie uh, or we ended up being able to fulfill the promise of jamie lloyd at the end of part four by you know having her carry on this legacy but succeeding to fight against it and yeah and creating this much larger mythology that the filmmakers c- clearly wanted to create with this whole cult and there was in this, this i don't what, i don't even remember what movie it's in now but there's this whole scene where like there's like sam Hain or Sawin like written on like the chalkboard you know yeah, and, that's in, in part two that's a, yeah, all, yeah, there you go. That's what I was thinking. I, I knew it was in the, the, one of the, the the first two, but yeah, all the way back then it was like they were trying to create this connection between, you know, it's, the movie's not just called Halloween because it takes place on Halloween the first time, but like there's this whole like spiritual, druidic, you know, demonic, whatever, like. Uh, mythology and they clearly wanted to do that with the cult of thorn but then it became this weird thing where they were like, oh we have to have Jamie have a baby and like they were like they were there's like genetic testing to create like the perfect like offspring killer or some bull it was like some weird science bullshit that they introduced. I'm like stop trying to get all uh, you know, stop trying so hard. <laughs> you know, right. just, If you're gonna do this weird spiritual thing, just let it be spiritual. Have a, you know, like I said, like you said, have this flashback to like, you know, Haddonfield in like the, you know, 1700s, and it's like, you know, all the all the the great families are gonna get together and make this pact with like a demonic spirit, you know, for, you know, permanent like prosperity and you know, except for this one bloodline that we have to sacrifice. You know, it's why not? Like, it, it solves all your problems and it creates these really interesting story concepts and then then you don't have to explain why your killer keeps coming back over and over and over and over again. I mean, right. Freddy Krueger is like a spiritual creature. He can keep coming back. Jason Voorhees is a zombie and a deadite; He can keep coming back. Like, why does Michael Myers have to be the same thing? Like, let him be something different.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's the thing, like the whole idea of having a, like a cult for a, in a town, like, you know, the, this, this town gets that the, all the members of the town get together and they have some kind of blood pact or ritual or whatever that is a tried and true thing that we see in so many horror stories, not Mm -hmm. only in movies, but in novels and video games. Like the first one that comes to mind is uh, silent hill homecoming. One of my favorite uh, silent hill video games, which for Mm -hmm. some reason everybody hates, I don't know why, but I loved it. Um, The, the town, like they, they worship this demon and they like give up one of their children. Like each of them decide to sacrifice one of their children for their, the town's prosperity. And like the the whole thing haunting the town is like the souls of the kids, and it's like like that kind of a concept has been used again and again and again. So why not fucking use it here? We were already mm-hmm. setting it up clearly with part four, five, and six. Like they were trying to do something with this fucking cult. So yeah, have it be all of Haddonfield. Fuck it. Like you know, it's it's and and I love I love the wrinkle that you added because I didn't think of this at all. Like um before we 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 uh we wrap things up, I got to say, this is the, the episode that I've written the most notes for. I have th- <laughs> three tightly packed pages of notes. Um, But like, I loved the wrinkle that you added where it's like the, the cult is basically like, yo, we fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that because I just had them as like generic bad guys. And this gives them so much more personality. And especially because Wynn has been there from day one. He's been in since the first movie like yeah. so having him be this character is like you know yeah i went along with this but i started to realize we fucked up and um yeah, we we gotta we gotta contain this so yeah. even though he was with the cult he, he you know him and his current cult were trying to contain and hold michael which just mm. made it all the worse and they <laughs> they had no idea yeah
0: so. it's like they, they, they they thought all along they thought what they were doing was for the greater good and they kept doubling down on like terrible choices and <laughs> making right. it worse and worse and worse until they finally just had to go to Loomis and like help, please. You know, <laughs> like, we screwed up. <laughs> But it's also fitting, too, because, I mean, I, we never really reveal how many people are in this cult and, like, how, how many other, like, great houses, you know, have people who are members of it. Like, it can't just be Win It has to be other families in Haddonfield, oh, yeah. you know. But at the same time, we you know, at the end of part six, we make this very definitive ending of the Michael Myers saga because, again, we blow up Michael Myers' body. We kill Jamie. You know, we kill Loomis. And we kill, like, all of these cult people, Win everyone. They all get either killed by Michael Myers or blown up in the house, you know. So, it's even though I'm sure there's more of the cult out there, from a storytelling perspective, it's nice to just put a period on that whole era and move on. And now we're out of Haddonfield, you know, for H2O, we're in California, it's a new person behind the mask and two really, you know, and it's like, we can move on and we don't have to, it doesn't have to be the same kind of bullshit where it's like, we're always in Crystal Lake or we're always in, you know, Springwood, it's like, move on, you know, and uh, let the series, the franchise grow beyond Michael Myers and Haddonfield, just like right. they tried to do with Part Three, with Season of the Witch. Like, do something different.
1: Yeah. No. And and the thing that that I, I really like here is because of the concept of having that them hold back the demon, um, and having it go like, well, no, well, now it ain't just gonna be the bloodline. Now I'm gonna fucking kill everybody. Um, I like it because it adds enough of a wrinkle where if you know, we were to continue on with this and make a part eight. And, you know, Jonathan was the the new Michael Myers. And now there's no more Myers bloodline. If he gets killed, we could just have the demon be like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm gonna possess him now. Like almost like mm-hmm. the, the demon always needs a host. And mm-hmm. because it never got to fulfill what it was supposed to do because it was imprisoned for all those years. Now it's just running rampant on earth. As long as it has a host body, you know, it's going to kill. So yeah. I mean, there there you could literally draw this out and have as many Halloween movies as you wanted.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it can keep getting more and more mystical. You can bring in like you know you can bring back Tommy Doyle, and now you have the Cult of Wind, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And like yeah, there's so many possibilities to have a much much longer franchise. And even now with the, these most three recent movies. We just you, they if we if they had done what we are talking about now like if this had been the alternate reality of where the Halloween series went <laughs> right and, you know you could bring it back in 2018 and do this whole new series and now it's like oh oh Laurie Strode is still alive somehow you know and you could you could you just go back and. You could even do a thing where it's like, wait, how is Michael Myers still alive? Like, how is the demon back in the original body? Like, is that the original body? You know, and now we're back to the original characters kind of, you know, revisiting the where it all started. I wouldn't go in that direction, but you could. And I think that we and by introducing all of these spiritual elements, what what you do is you allow the story to be very hand wavy. So as long as you're. You know, as you're you're creating these logical steps from like this happens and this happens and this happens. That's fine, because ultimately, when something is like demonic and spiritual, as long as you explain what's happening and then you're consistent with it, you can do whatever you want.
1: Right. right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, look at Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street is the perfect example. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first one was just like, oh, yeah, this this child molester, child killer was murdered by uh, the parents of the the children in cold blood. And now his spirit is haunting them, and mm-hmm. like there's no explanation beyond, behind behind that. He's he's a fucking ghost, you know. And then in part two, it's like, oh, the ghost wants a body. So it's like, oh shit. Well, yeah, possession. Okay, that's a thing. So it's like you don't question it; it just happens. And then in part three, we find out the whole son of a hundred maniacs, the you know, mm-hmm. the the mother. The, we find out the the patron or the uh, parentage of of Freddie. Um, and, and we tie the whole like Christianity aspects to the movie. And mm. then it's like, we just keep adding little, little wrinkles onto the spirituality until finally we get to part six and we find out about these Sumerian dream demons. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, sure. Why not? Like, yeah.
0: But, but again, as long as, as long as you introduce some kind of logic and try to stay consistent with it. Yeah. Dream demons is a wacky idea, but so is having this like revenge or, you know, this like uh blood, this blood debt demon that we've introduced in Halloween. But again, as long as you kind of create some rules and stick with it and make it consistent. And if you want to add something, some new thing, just explain how it fits into the previous thing. Like, like for like, uh, Jason, uh, Jason goes to hell is a really good example of how that's a pretty good movie. And they really, really introduced a bunch of like new shit into the continuity, but it was a fuck up because they didn't make any effort to have it fit into what came before. Like fans and subsequent movies kind of explained it all away, but it's like, it, it would, wouldn't have been that difficult for them to throw a couple of lines of dialogue to sort of to explain what they were doing, and they, I still think that it's a bizarre direction to go in. But it would have, it wouldn't have been that difficult for them to fit it in instead of just going in completely this like left field direction and
1: then having to like retcon it in later, you know. <laughs> totally agree, and yeah. and that's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically comic book logic, you know. Like when when one creative team is done and another creative team comes on, it's like okay. How do we make what happened before make sense for the story we want to tell? And you just, as long as you have some connective tissue, fans will accept it. Yeah. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's all you need. Just give us a little bit of logic.
0: And those little throwaway lines of dialogue go such a long way, you know, and like, and how hard is it? Especially when half these movies, these, you know, slasher movies from the 80s and 90s are full of like so much terrible dialogue, pointless conversation, like endless repetitions of dumb catchphrases, like totally. you know. <laughs> And it's like, why aren't you making your conversations work for you? You know, and that's 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 one thing that I will say. I, I'll pat myself on the back. you know, if I have any storytelling strength, it's that I try to make every piece of dialogue move the story forward there should not be anything in the story that is just fluff and filler it either has to be something that's there because it's fan service and fun or it has to move the story along and even conversation that seems just like oh we're just passing the time till the bad guy shows up you can use that conversation to deliver information to the audience like I'm not like if I wanted to see every single thing that these characters were doing in their lives, we'd be watching like a 72 hour movie (laughs) that took place over (laughs) several days. And like we'd see every time they went to the bathroom, but I don't care about that as a filmmaker, you're going to edit the movie to show me the most important stuff. So why are you showing me filler? Like, I don't don't understand. (laughs) I, I will never ever understand. Like, I don't care if the movie's 40 minutes long, like super short, just show me the important shit and fuck the filler.
1: No, I agree. No, I'm I mean, a mental rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I will say, as far as as far as our writing styles go, like yeah, no, I I will agree that that that's definitely a strength of yours. Whereas for me, um, I tend to do the filler too much, um, because because I get caught up in the Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith like fun time dialogue conversations. Uh, like I don't know if you remember my the years and years ago when we were writing, um. When the, when the the Boogeyman's Closet ha- was going to be like a Tales from the Crypt style mm-hmm. comic book. Um, <laughs> and I had that one about Wendigos. <laughs> yeah, I remember. But it was all set in the 90s. And I had that whole like opening argument between how you can't be a fan of both Pearl Jam and Nirvana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, see, but there's a, diff- there's a difference between like filler and like telling me who your characters are like uh, earlier in in this episode, I was saying how in part four, we got, we really liked and cared about the characters, even the so-called fodder ones, because we got to know their personalities and like that, that is, that is included in moving the story along. Like you have to like create the world, set the setting. And yeah, I mean, that is a huge strength of yours that you do way better than me is that you can do conversational fun dialogue but what you're doing is you're building personalities. It's not oh, just you. bullshit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that like the the point is that the, just like in a Tarantino movie, is at the end of that conversation, you immediately know at least a little bit about every character. So now you know, oh well, that's you know that's this guy. That's the, like look at the beginning of like Reservoir Dogs when they're in like the diner sequence. You yes, know? I by love the it. end. By the end of that sequence, you're like, okay, like, you know, this guy over here is a cheapskate. You know, this is like the old pro. who's not afraid to like talk back to the boss. You know, this is the strong silent type. You know, this is the guy who's the motor mouth. Like they walk out of that restaurant in that slow motion sequence down the alleyway. And you already know who the characters are. We don't even know their names yet. That's you true. know, like it's genius. You need, but that's part of moving the story forward. Like you have to build personalities and you do that in useful dialogue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Not just as we say on the boogeyman's closet, I like cheese. <laughs> 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 but I think my favorite example of that is, is Friday the 13th part two, where it's just like in the middle of the movie, we see all the characters standing around the lake and they're just like giving bad dad jokes for no yes. reason, for, like, yes. five fucking minutes straight. <laughs> it's like, what yeah, is this? Great... Why is this here?
0: No, no, that's exactly, that's a perfect example of the type of filler I'm talking about. Like, we already were introduced to those characters, so that dialogue does nothing to move right. the story forward. It's a wasted scene. Like, you, we could have done something more interesting with that. And I think that's the problem in a lot of the Halloween movies throughout the entire franchise, is that we have these, like, thin... Characters that we don't care about—we've referred to them as fodder all across, you know, slasher fiction because it's like they're just wasting opportunities to build personalities. But at the same time you can use those conversations to throw shit in. Even if it's just two characters talking, they're like, Oh, I heard this rumor about Michael Myers. And it's like, <laughs> cool. Now I know something, you know, Be, you know, right. and, and, and again, there's, there's lots of tricks and tips and things that you can pick up to make that shit work. But clearly a lot of, uh, a lot of horror movie scriptwriters, I don't know where they find these guys. <laughs> you know?
1: And see, and that, and that's something I, I got to give to, to Rob Zombie for his Halloween movies. Now I I know, I'm totally a Rob Zombie apologist. I know that there is like a whole legion of, of fanboys out there who hate Rob Zombie because oh, he casts his wife and everything. I'm sorry. I don't care about that. If I, was, if I was famous enough to be like, hey, here's a bunch of franchises you can direct. Here's a bunch of movies you can do. I'd be putting people I know in it, too. Like I'd yeah. be having fun with it. So fuck that complaint. Um, nobody, and,
0: nobody, nobody cares when Scorsese and Tarantino cast the same actors over and over again.
1: Right. Or like when fucking Kevin Smith, like Kevin Smith has been <laughs> casting the same people for like what? 30 years and, yeah. like, and everybody loves it. Um, But yeah, so it's like, you know, I, I know I'm a, a Rob zombie apologist, but I love that about the first Halloween movie where everything that is said, especially from Loomis for the first like hour of the movie is either some kind of explanation that we need about what is wrong with Michael, some kind of like diagnosis or like, uh, you know, explanation of his traumas. Like every time he talks, it's important, but it's also showing the type of character he is because Mm -hmm. he's, he's like relating to Michael. He's trying to like be his friend. So we're seeing like, not only is he good at his job, but like the type of personality he has, And it's giving us information that we need to know about what's wrong with this guy, Um, which is why I think so many people hated part two, because it was like a complete, you know, heel turn for Loomis and Laurie and all the characters, which is the part I loved about that, because it was so drastically different from the characters that we know while still making sense. Like, because Mm -hmm. when you survive a trauma, you're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to withdraw or you're going to lash out. Those are usually the two responses. You withdraw into yourself and have to work yep. through your problems, or you lash out, whether it be at the world, at yourself, at people around you. You just are like, fuck it, I'm not here for a long time, I'm here for a good time. Like, you have, <laughs> you know, what are those two reactions? And Loomis, who spent so much time trying to help others in the first movie, was like, fuck it, I survived this, I'm going to get rich off of it. Fuck everybody. Fuck I'm writing my book. Fuck Haddonfield. Big old middle finger. Give me money. Like he yep. he kind of turned into the like all about me. You know, I'm I'm worried about number one. Whereas Lori, she lashed out at the world. Whereas mm-hmm. like Lori in the original, she kind of withdrew and became terrified. And then, you know, a Rob Zombie Lori was just like, fuck all y'all. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do drugs and party and have sex and I don't care. Fuck <laughs> everything. You know. And I loved that about those movies, like because it was such a stark difference between, you know, part one and part two. But again, going back to what you were saying about the dialogue, part one is filled with that type of dialogue and it's it, it does not get the credit it deserves. <laughs>
0: yeah i completely agree yeah the dialogue in the first movie is part of what makes it so good it's such a tight movie and yeah at the end you can say what you can say say what you want about the ending because i know there's a lot of people who don't like the ending of the first halloween because it just kind of ends <laughs> it just kind of goes nowhere yep. you know but and, and and yeah i can i'll listen to arguments about that because you can definitely you know take it both ways but prior to that yeah i mean it's such a smart well done movie, and even the characters who say like totally and shit too much, whatever. But like we we still are learning about the personalities, but we learn about Lori is what is what happens in a lot of those scenes. So yeah, I mean, I might get on a high horse and like pick on it, cause I, but I'm really thinking more about like like part five, like Jesus Christ, no one cares about any of these characters, you know, like <laughs> right. Tina and her friend and her boyfriend, like what, like I don't even know their names. They were in like half the movie, and no one cares. You don't know anything about them, and it's like there's so much more important things that you could have done with that time. You know, again, even if it is characters who are these, you know, these ditzy teenagers who don't know anything, but again, all they had to say was simple stuff like, oh, I heard this rumor that Michael Myers was trying to kill his sister or whatever. Like, you just throw it out there and let the audience like, put a hook in it. You know, even if it's even if it isn't coming from some, you know, uh, authoritative source like Dr. Loomis, like you can that's why you have shit like, like you have the radio playing or the TV news in the background or like a newspaper laying open, like give us an opportunity to learn some of the lore and instead of wasting time with useless conversation and then having fans, you know, debate for decades over like how the movies fit together, because you couldn't be bothered to give us two lines of dialogue to explain (laughs) how the end of one fits the beginning of the next one. You know, instead we get the,
1: are you going to do it? Oh my God. I like it in the car. (laughs) Like like, what the fuck? Like who cares? (laughs) Who cares? Oh, but no, I, I do think that, having having gone back over the last few days, because I went to, like I said uh, at the start of this, I, I saw Halloween Ends in the theater, um, which not a fan, but <laughs> it, it made me go back and be like, I'm not only going to watch part 4, 5, and 6 for the podcast, I want to watch you know, part 1 up to at least H2O and uh, I did, I watched you know, 1 through 7, and I gotta say, there is a lot to love about this franchise but it doesn't connect well and like you said it is broken down into three distinct uh sections there mm-hmm. is the the uh one two and seven section mm-hmm. there is the four five and six uh, i'm sorry one two seven and eight section uh four five and six section and then there's the 2018 you know ends and kills that whole section and then part three is just kind of floating in this nebulous by itself um and and it's like it's it's a shame. It is a shame because if you look at other franchises like Friday the Thirteenth, they all connect together tenuously, but they all connect yeah. together. You yeah. know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, same thing. So much so that they even connected their own fucking franchise reboot with a new Nightmare. They even connected that into the franchise, like, yes. and, and it worked Wonderful. perfectly. Um, even something like Hellraiser. Like there were Ten, 10 <laughs> Hellraiser movies before they finally rebooted. Like, and they connect. Like, yeah, some of them don't make a whole fucking lot of sense, but they still connect. and
0: that's all you need even with friday the 13th you mentioned that already but like they did a reboot but they were respectful enough to make it so that if you squint at it it's kind of a sequel and like i'm i dig that you know i'm I'm happy with that or a remake I, i guess you should call it you know whatever it was like they they were respectful enough to know that they were like okay yeah let's we don't need to totally reinvent everything and we can make things fit and there's no reason why you can't And usually it's for the better of the franchise, but yeah, it's just, uh, whatever we can just make this one a whole separate like rent or rent episode where we just complain about a, a lazy Hollywood who just can't be bothered to like make <laughs> stuff work. You're going to do like, you know, part X in a series and you can't even like bother to make it fit into the one, the shit that came before it. It's uh, like, you know, I guess uh, I could go off and on like the hubris of screenwriters and directors who are like, I'm gonna do my own thing with it. And it's like, no one hired you to do your own thing with it. Like, it's, <laughs> exactly just stop <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a you know a fan uh fan driven franchise that still exists because there's fans of it out there who want to see the thing that they're used to you know st- we don't need your artistic vision like go make your own fucking movie if you want to do that you know right <laughs> <laughs> all right i th- Oh, I think we're time to, time to wrap it up now before we, we go off on this whole other right. even further. But no, this was a lot of fun. I think this was really successful. I know you came with a shitload of notes. I didn't come with a lot. I came with like this basic idea. And what's funny is we didn't even get to my basic idea. We went in a totally different direction with it, and I'm <laughs> totally fine with it. So hey, listen to the next like rental rant or something or Super Gushers episode whenever that is, and maybe we'll talk about like the uh, the uh, the ideas that you know didn't happen. You know the ideas that were never meant to be. Um, That's a- (laughs) Cutting room floor. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, so – but, yeah, if you want to hear more about this, if it's the first episode you're ever listening to, hey, welcome. This is a strange one, but (laughs) – Go check us out at RaisedByRentals.com and at RaisedByRentals on all of the social medias. You can also check out RadPantheon.com and at RadPantheon on all the social medias as well to check out all of the other podcasts and artists and musicians that we've teamed up with in the Rad Pantheon network. Bunch of cool creative people making rad stuff. So if you like this show, there's a really good chance that you'll like some of that. Hey, Mike, I want to do a plug for a creative artist who is not a member of the Red Pantheon, but is a fan of this show who has been a fan for a long time, who actually gives us some feedback, which we don't get a lot of. So I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to Mikey Rainbow kiss on Instagram. That's R A N B O W K I S S kind of like rainbow kiss, but there's no I in rainbow rainbow kiss on Instagram. Uh, Mikey's been a fan of the show and he shouts us out, and I wanted to, to return the favor because dude makes some amazing custom and original toys. I know you're yeah. a big toy fan, so uh, what do you what do you think about the stuff that he makes?
1: Oh, I love it. I, I was I was scrolling through his Instagram. He's got some amazing stuff in here. A lot of Ed Roth inspired stuff, which I'm a huge fan of Ed Roth. So I, I was excited as soon as I saw that. Um, I definitely saw some Craig Gleason stuff in here, which look badass. I love it. Uh, no, he's he's got he's amazingly talented. Like I'm, I'm really impressed with this stuff. Um, definitely a very cool collection
0: yeah for sure i'm not i'm not a toy fan i'm not like a custom figure guy but damn this is a lot of really cool really cool stuff so yeah um we we, we were given plugs you know earlier on the show to some of the specific red pantheon members and i'd like to get back to doing that in a little bit but like i said mikey thanks for listening and everyone if you're a toy fan if you want to check out some cool art if you like custom figures or if you just want to see what the hell we're talking about check out Rainbow kiss on instagram anything else mike before we sign off
1: No, I think that's good. Just uh, everyone have a a fun Halloween.
0: Yeah, stay safe, stay scary, have a great time. And uh, with that, I'll say thanks for everyone for tuning into the Raised by Rentals program. You know where to find this. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Trick a treat, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Spoopy.